On this episode of Tank Talks Business, I'll be speaking with Camille Crofton Cherry, Marketing Director for Crofton Industries. Camille, thank you so much for joining me and the listeners of Tank Talks Business. I appreciate the opportunity to catch up with you today. Thanks for having me. So, can we talk a little bit about uh, your professional career and what has brought you to where you are today? Sure. Um, so I grew up in Suffolk uh, here locally and um, my family's business has always been in Portsmouth and I went to school in Portsmouth at Portsmouth Christian. Um, so born and bred here, raised here, um, you know, a local, a local kid. Um, then left and went to undergrad at George Mason University. Um, Home of the Patriots, right? Yes. 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 Um, had a really good experience there and then came back and um, started working immediately in, in the business. Started out working as an administrative assistant on receptionist, answering the phones and doing all the office things. Um, and I had, you know, done that a lot, of course, growing up, you know, wanted to come into the office with dad, you know, on the days off of school for whatever reason. And they, you know, let me do very meaningless things at the time but of course I felt very important putting (laughs) stickers on manila folders and such Um, but you know worked here on summers and Christmas vacations and things growing up and so came to work here formally after undergrad and uh, eventually moved into managing payroll and so I got to see that side of things and um, getting more of an understanding of you know some of the human resource aspects of it too from that side and then also worked with the project management and estimator um, staff as a project management assistant. And then now for the last few years, I've been working in marketing and communications. Nice. Um, so I've made the rounds a little bit and gotten some really um, good experience in that way. And it's helped me learn a lot about the business. That's um, great. And as we were talking earlier, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I think is a great advantage, especially from a marketing standpoint, is having kind of been through the the business uh, in its entirety, the understanding of kind of the, the real ins and outs of the business and, and, the, and the be able to market it in such a way that you have a true understanding of what it is that you're marketing and who you're marketing to. Absolutely. Um, I mean, having to communicate what we do, and it's such highly technical work um it's definitely helpful you know i have a a fresh set of eyes on it so to speak just because that's not my background i don't have the technical experience and um so i'm constantly tapping into the team here for their input on the right way to communicate or convey something in a way that is accessible but also demonstrates our credibility and the experience that we bring to the table Um, but it's also just been such a great opportunity because in, in doing that, I've, I have to learn so much about, you know, how we carry out our services every day. Yeah. So um, it's, you know, this role in marketing and communications and others have all been really great learning experiences. Yeah, that's great. So Crofton has over 70 year history here in the Hampton Roads community. Can you give a little bit of background to that history and kind of how that has led up to, to current Crofton Industries? Sure. Um, so, Granddaddy started the company, my grandfather, in 1949 with a partner, Duke Morris. And so for about 20 years, it was Crofton and Morris Divers. Okay. Um, and 
granddaddy didn't always want to be a commercial diver he didn't have you know dreams of doing that since he was a little guy or anything it sort of came about by circumstance he started out um, at Duke University on a football scholarship okay and was also I think interested in their veterinary school and then during his second year um, in 1941 the United States declared war and so he you know, in order to stay on the football team, him and all of the teammates had to enroll in, at the time was like a reserves training for um, okay. officers or something. And he, along with another teammate, I think because of his eyesight, they didn't pass their medical examination, mm-hmm. so they couldn't stay on the team and couldn't enroll. So um, he had to uh, take a plan B. <laughs> and his um, football coach gave him an application to Newport News uh, Ship and Dry Dock Company. Wow. And so off he went to Newport News and, um, and started in the rigging department there. And then by, I think, June of 1942, he made his first, first dive. Wow. Um, and, and once he got there, I think, is when his interest in diving um, was really born. Okay. Um, so he eventually did serve in the Navy for a period of time and then came back and worked with, um, I think, Newport News again and then another diving company, and that's where he met his partner, Duke. And gotcha, okay. They just decided to go into business together and, um, you know, sort of built the business at night. They got a lot of their equipment from Navy surplus yards and repaired the helmets and had a small boat that they were, you know, trying to bring up to par. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so they did all of those things in their spare time, I think. Um, and then in 1951, purchased the Chromo, which is a vessel we still have today. Wow. Um, and it had served up until that point as a training vessel at the Naval Academy. Okay. And they redesigned it to be um, a diving vessel. And I believe that conversion took place in Weems, Virginia at Humphreys Railway. Oh, wow. And, um, so we still have that vessel today, and she doesn't, you know, serve us in operations, but she's yeah. more of a symbol, you know, That's to cool. us of our history and where we all came from. And my dad and his, you know, brothers, along with several other divers that are probably still here with us, cut their teeth on, you know, off the deck of that boat. Wow. And so it's it's very meaningful to us in that way. And that's the Chromo, right? Yes. And how did that name come about? Um, so that got its name because of a coin toss um, and <laughs> granddaddy won so it got named the, the chromo instead of the mocro i guess is maybe <laughs> the alternative that was on the table but that's great um, so he won so it got to be you know called the chromo um, wow. and so now the the business has almost 200 employees and team members and um we serve many different industries and um and so second generation family members that work here are you know my father and his three older siblings and then we have four third generation family members including myself uh, wow. plus an in-law that we're very fortunate to have with us as that's well. that's pretty so, cool yeah. wow so can you talk a little bit about the different industry types that you serve and and the different specialties sure so I mean we were founded on our commercial diving services um, okay. and then in the early 80s maybe I think it was um, they sort of segued into the marine construction uh, side of oh, things okay. and that wasn't because of like long-term strategic planning and vision <laughs> or anything like that it was literally an existing customer had a need and they rose to the occasion and decided oh, wow. to meet it and so 
Um, and that's how that was really born. And the same thing happened, I think, with the Crane Rental and Rigging Division. Okay. Um, you know, maybe a decade or a little longer after that. Um, and so now those three are, are real significant um, service areas, the commercial diving, heavy marine construction, and crane rental and rigging. Gotcha. Um, and so for the crane side, we have a large fleet of mobile truck cranes, but we also have a large fleet of, of floating cranes, a couple that are staples in the in the maritime industry the samson has been serving the port for decades wow. um and so that was a really exciting um thing for us to be able to sort of steward that legacy of that piece of equipment that's great um, so yeah wow so and you talk a little bit about it but how has how have the industries <clears throat> really had to change and adapt over the 70 plus years i i, I know we talked a little bit about even just the diving suits themselves mm -hmm. that we all kind of have the the picture from the movies of the the huge helmets and the and the right. the big gear and how that has had to adapt over the years to stay current yeah i mean you know if i had to if i had to make a guess i would say that safety is probably the the pillar that's driven a lot of the adaptation okay um you know when we started in 1949 osha didn't exist yeah and um, I don't think they started until maybe 71. And the ABCI, Association of Divers, Diving Contractors International, I don't think they existed until 1968. And wow. they're another you know, a body that you know, helps drive um, you know, safety best practices as well. And so for a long time, we just had to figure out you know, what's the best and safest way we can go about doing this work, <laughs> which by today's standards would probably seem medieval but yeah. um yeah safety standards have continued to evolve over the decades and um and it and it really impacts operations yeah um so for example uh maybe a while ago a two-man dive crew was acceptable and then there's changes and now it's three okay. and so that impacts oh well i need to staff more divers and yeah. this impacts how I'm going to distribute, you know, the crew and well now I need to have conversations with our customers about, you know, why we have more team members on the job instead of just two. And so um, all those things impact operations. And so there's constantly adaptations being made to those things. But safety is the right thing to do. It's yeah. how we can all, you know, keep all of our fingers and toes and go home <laughs> to our families at the end of the day. and. Um, it's important to us, and so regardless of whatever regulations are at play, it's something that we are um, always trying to get out in front of because yeah. um, it's important to us. Yeah, very much. Um, so along that same line, as we look to the future, what do you see as, as some of the changes that may be coming down within the industry, both from a diving standpoint and from just a maritime industry? Um, I get the biggest one for me that sticks out is workforce. Okay. Um, you know, we, we're so fortunate to have the team that we do. We have so many experienced people and people have been with us for a really long time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but moving forward, workforce is going to continue to be a challenge. I mean, it's a challenge right now. Um, and I think that's for a number of reasons. I mean, one being the work that we do is not super glamorous yeah. and it's and it's it's dirty work and you know they're out in the elements a lot so it takes a really special you know 
and unique kind of person that is going to be interested in doing that work and building a career out of that work. Yeah. And so that narrow, narrows the pool of candidates out of the gate. <laughs> um, and then I think for a lot of people, when you think of vocational trades, you think of the more traditional and highly visible trades of um, plumbing, you know, electrician, HVAC, yeah. carpentry. And there are so many wonderful specialty trades in the maritime and surrounding industries um, that people are building really wonderful, meaning careers from. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so we've got to do a better job of building our pipeline internally, but also, you know, externally. And, and what kind of outreach can we be doing to tap into students and parents yeah. to sort of raise the awareness that these trades exist? And, you know, they're really, it's really interesting work and people yeah. can build really meaningful lifelong, you know, careers out of them. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something that we'll continue to tackle and we'll have to get creative to figure out ways to, um, to do that. Yeah, I completely agree because I, I, I've had podcasts with multiple companies and <clears throat> conversations with CTE program directors. Um, and I completely agree that, that there's a huge need for it and will continue to be a huge need for it because that's just who we are as a, mm -hmm. as a region. I mean, we are a maritime based region. It's one of the three pillars of our economy. But I do believe it's kind of a generations long narrative that you've got to go to college and you've mm -hmm. got to get into this particular career track. And I think that narrative needs to start so much earlier and it does need to start in the home to a yeah. certain extent that there are some really good paying, um, great jobs that exist, especially in the Hampton Roads community yes. that you can make a good living and, and, and get involved in some really cool, unique industries mm -hmm. that just, they just simply aren't top of mind with a lot of people. But if it doesn't start at home, and if it doesn't start in the schools, by the time they graduate, it's, it's many times too it's late. too late. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, to your point, it's, we've got we've to figure out a way to make parents feel more confident that yeah. it's a good decision for their children to go into these industries. And I mean, you know, I remember growing up and still to this day, you know, if I'm riding in the car with my father, he's constantly pointing out different structures or work sites that, right. you know, he worked on and he dove under this and there's so much opportunity there for people to get their hands on, you know, staples and landmarks in the community and play a role in that. Yeah. Um, and, and the challenge is, is that a lot of the work that we're doing really is it's invisible. Yeah. The maritime industry is such a significant part of our local economy, but a lot of the work that goes into supporting it is work that happens below the waterline yeah. and people don't see it and, and if you don't know someone personally that's doing that work it can be hard to imagine yourself in that role and it may yeah. not even ever occur to you that it's a possibility so we've yeah. got to do better about getting in front of that I think yeah um, so we talk about the community um, can you talk a little bit about some of the community involvement that you all have had throughout the years sure um, <coughs> I mean, the, the local industry organizations have always been extremely supportive um, in terms of the advocacy that they do for our industry, particularly the Virginia Maritime Association, who just celebrated their 100th anniversary, which is so impressive. Yeah. 
Um, you know, so we've stayed involved with them for a number of years. Um, I currently serve on the board, and my father has served on the board for a number of years, um, and the Propeller Club as well. And, and they do a lot of work focusing, you know, providing opportunities for professionals in the community to network and build re relationships, but also charitable work for, um, you know, maritime related charities to help support. Yeah. Um, you know, exposure to, you know, young people to the industry. They're very involved with Sailnauticus and supporting students at ODU and their maritime shipping and supply chain program. Yeah. Um, we've always been very involved in the Association for Diving Contractors International, um, serving on their boards and just staying plugged in to the industry, what the industry needs, how it's changing and how we can contribute to um, and how we can contribute to that. And they've done things like trash dives um, over oh, okay. on the Norfolk, you know, waterside, you know, pier to help, you know, do some cleanups like that. So nice. various things over the years that, you know, we can do to sort of give back this, this local area and the harbor has been so good to us. And um, so it's important that we find ways to give back. That's great. Well, and you personally, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast started, but You've been involved um, with an organization um, that has to do with family-owned businesses. Yeah, um, I think, you know, it's interesting. Family businesses are really the backbone of, you know, our region and, and our nation's economy. Yeah. I mean, and and there, there are a lot of small businesses. There are a lot of really large businesses as well. As well. Um but that you know working with family creates such a unique and special dynamic and that part of it um needs support yeah. and so our area especially you know we're, we're just saturated with family businesses and people who have such unique traditions in their families and legacies and um and you know through my experience working in my family business and, and trying to learn more about what that means and what resources are out there it really occurred to me that there's there's not a whole lot of resources out you know in our area that specialize in supporting family businesses from you know in terms of um, the relationship aspect of it yeah. you know the the transactional side of it the legal things the tax things that's all there yeah. but um but the relationship aspect of it is so important and that's what um, we really need to get some more support for so. Um, in trying to learn more about that, I came across an organization called Family Firm Institute. Okay. And so I studied with them for a while and came away with a certificate in family business advising just because I was trying to learn about, like, what does it mean to be in a family business <laughs> and how, can, how you navigate those relationships and all the things that you experience um, as a family business member. And, and just was really energized by what I was learning and met so many wonderful people and um and so and yeah have have made some really great friendships in terms of connecting on this issue and how can we what solution can we come up with to create some support for family businesses so um i i, I have a feeling that once we start rounding the corner on this pandemic that we'll see something start to um develop in terms of support for family businesses that's great it's, it's been on my mind and the mind of a few others for quite some time and it's getting some momentum for sure. That's great. Before we wrap up, and especially because we talked a lot about the workforce aspect of this, for people who are looking to, to work with you, to partner with you, to get to know more about the business, how do they connect with you? Where can they find you? 
Sure. So, um, I mean, if someone wanted to reach out to me personally, my email is camcrofton at crofton.com. Okay. If they're interested in learning more about the career opportunities here or submitting an application, they can always reach out at careers at crofton.com. Okay. Um, and if they are interested in contacting us for something else, they can always reach out at info at crofton.com and they'll, and they'll reach a, a group of team members here that are happy to respond and reach back out. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I really enjoyed this. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed getting to know the, the history of, of Crofton Industries and, and, and all you all have contributed to this community and to the maritime industry. And thanks to you. Please pass along my thanks to the entire team. And, and I, I hope you're very much continued success in the region. Thank you very much for having me. I've Absolutely. Wonderful. And thank you to the listeners of Take Talks Business. We'll catch you on the next episode.